1: victorious life that we have has its roots firmly embedded in one place and one place only, the cross of Jesus Christ. That is where the victory was won. That is the place where Christ was crucified. The place where not only Christ was crucified, but we were crucified with Christ at that place. Sin was defeated. Sin was gone. It was taken away. Where he died was a place where we died.
0: When he was resurrected, we've been
1: resurrected into that new life and newness of life.
0: The route to a victorious Christian life is not within ourselves, but in the cross of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Dave reminds us that at the cross, sin was defeated and victory was won. The way to live victoriously is through Jesus Christ. Through him, we are resurrected into a new life where we can live victoriously. And here's Pastor Dave with today's edition of Cape Watch Radio.
1: That's what a wonderful God is. He doesn't need us. He can wipe out the entire world if He chooses to. But for some crazy reason, He chooses to use us. He chooses to allow us to be a part of what He's doing. I think it's so cool. Sometimes He waits to see our initiative. Sometimes He waits to see, are you going to step out in faith now? Are you really going to step out in faith? See, our willingness to be his partner, our willingness to do that shows him that we have the faith, that we believe the promises. Because, you know, believe is an action word. Believe is an action word. When you step out on a promise of God and you believe, that's an action word. God's waiting to see that. We talked about steering the ship. Be docked in the dock all you want. You start moving the rudder, the ship's not going to go anywhere. But When it starts to move and you start changing that rudder, the ship moves God wants to move us serious as we move he wants us to do it it's not the idea of God helps those who help themselves the idea is God wants to draw people into a partnership when we see him working God wants to draw us in for some reason he loves us in verses 10 to 15 we see the results of the battle as God miraculously fights for Israel Verse 10. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the roads that to Beth Horam, and struck them down as far as Aska and Madaka. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horam that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Aska, and they died. There were more who died in the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord. In the day that the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Adjalon. So the sun stood still. The moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jehoshaphat? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down about a whole day. There's been no day like that, before it or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for well, the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. Must have been some battle. They're getting away, Lord. No, they're not. Throws down hailstones. It must be some hailstones. They were killing people left and right. Wow. Notice that Joshua didn't wait around for the hail to come. He was busy doing what his partnership in God was to do. He wanted to kill them with the sword, but it says the hail killed more and they killed with the sword. God was doing the work. God's miraculous hand in the action gave Joshua the boldness to ask for something even stupendous burial. Joshua's sitting there watching all this stuff take place, and he's seeing this wonderful miracle. And all of a sudden, he says, you know what? I'm going to ask God for something really special here. I'm, I'm going to step out in faith, and I'm going to ask God for something really, really special. He said, keep the day going, Lord. Don't, don't let the sun go down so they can hide, so they can escape. Keep the day going. Try to, Let's get this victory before the darkness falls. The sun and the moon had long stood silent. The sun and the moon, too, the number of witness. They stood silent. They were witnesses to God's action. But they also had witnessed all the demonic things that had happened all over the earth. Why shouldn't they not allow Joshua to complete his victory over the Canaanites? The sun stood still in the midst of heaven and didn't hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before or ever since. How was the length of the day extended? We don't know. God said, stop. People get excited. Well, the sun doesn't move. Well, actually it does. They've proven that the sun really does move. It has some motion to it. We know that the earth does revolve around the sun, but there is some motion to the sun. How did it happen? I don't know. God said it. Again, God didn't ask us to understand these things. He asked us to believe him. Now, we talked about this vaguely the other day. In 1907, a man by the name of Harold Hill came out with a publication that said During the satellite age and during the time of the moonwalk and during the time of space exploration, they were having trouble figuring out all these things that were going on because they just weren't working out mathematically. You know, these geniuses at NASA, these guys that have brains that are this big. They couldn't figure out why their rockets weren't going where they're supposed to go and why the time frame wasn't working. And supposedly the story goes that there was a Christian amongst them. There was a Christian amongst them. And a Christian said, I know why. You haven't considered the long day of Joshua. Nor have you considered the 40 minutes of Hezekiah. And when they figured them into the equations, the rockets went where they were supposed to go. Now, you can go on the internet And I'm guaranteeing you that you will find a lot of information there debunking this theory. You have to make up your own mind and you have to make up your own decision on this. You can believe what you want to believe. But I happen to believe that it's true. I happen to believe that God could do that. That's one way of God making a witness to these brainiacs at NASA. Because supposedly, since they've been using these equations because of this, everything's been working out the way it's supposed to work out. Again... You can criticize this account, you can poo-poo it, and you can pop pot it because there's a lot on websites that do. They had revenge on their enemies because the sun stopped. Joshua did not ask the Lord to do the fighting for him, even though God did some of that. Joshua simply asked God to do a miraculous work to give him an opportunity to fight for him. That's so cool. When we work in partnership with God, It always touches our hearts like a place of Gilgal, the place where Israel was conquered by God. Remember, they were in Gilgal, and God conquered them. God made them into spiritual people, believing people, and he did many, many things in him. When we are conquered by God, when you allow God to conquer your mind... See, if you're having trouble believing that God could do this, if you're having trouble believing that God could use this as a witness to NASA, then might I say... You're having trouble with God. You know, I fight with people all the time about God's word. I fight with people all the time about, is there a God? And I always say the same thing to them. Go back to the very first page of the Bible. Go back to the very first page of the Bible, the very, very first verse in Genesis, where it says, in the beginning, God, stop right there. In the beginning, God. If you cannot reconcile that, if you cannot divide that, do not go any further. Do not go any further. You must reconcile in the beginning God. To reconcile that means that he exists and that he was there beforehand, his preeminence. That needs to be reconciled before you can go any further because if you can't get that one phrase, the rest of the Bible will make no sense whatsoever. There's never been another day like this. Never been another day like this. Joshua returned and all Israel went with them back to Gilgal. We'll talk about that in a minute. Verse 16 through 27, we see the end of the battle and we see the execution of the five kings. But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Machedah. And it was told Joshua saying, the five kings have been found hidden in a cave at Machedah. So Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. Then it happened while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of the slaying them with a great slaughter, till they had finished, that those who escaped entered four to five cities. And all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Medica in peace. No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Then Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so, and he brought out those five kings to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lashis, the king of Eglon. So it was, they brought out those kings to Joshua, and Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, Come near, put your feet on the necks of those kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor to be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward Joshua struck them and killed them, and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging on the trees until evening. So it was at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded. And they took them down from the tree, cast them into the cave where they had been hidden, and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remain until this day. Joshua will, will not allow anything, even the personal captures of the king, to keep him from the Lord's victory. Leave the kings there. They're not going anywhere. Roll a, roll a stone in front of the cave. They can't get out. We'll come back and deal with them later. Let's finish the victory for the Lord. We have another striking similarity to the book of Revelation. Not only does the false lord of Righteous Adonai Zedek, lead a group of nations against Joshua, who was come to possess the land, but also in the midst of their feet, the kings hide in caves in fear of the conquering Joshua. Many, many, when Christ is coming back in Revelation 6, 15 and 16, they hide in caves. They run and they hide in these caves. From this time forward, the people of God, they were Israel was firmly planted now in the land. They had taken control of the land. They had defeated these major kings. The people of Canaan know now beyond a doubt that God had given the entire nation to Israel. They knew they were defeated. Their respect is so great that it says in verse 21, no one moved his tongue against the children of Israel. No one said a bad word. You know, I was thinking about this, and just like Israel, the church should should be feared in this sense. Church should be feared in this sense should be a place where people know God will conquer them. We come here on Sundays. We come here on Wednesday nights. Why? Because we want God to conquer our hearts. We want God to take care of us and do inside of us what he's done inside of others. We want to be for God totally. It would have been so easy to stay home tonight. It would have been so easy to be on vacation and go somewhere. It would have been so easy not to come and hear the word of God. But choosing to hear the word of God means you want to be conquered by God. You want him to be your God. You want to be his chosen. You want to be his child. And so you've come with ears open, listening and saying, God, teach me your word that I might apply it to my lives. And this is what we need to do. And this is what it's supposed to do. And the idea here is, you know, we're going to keep coming as long as God is conquering. If God's doing a work in me, I want to be around him. I don't want to be anywhere else. You know, there's no place I would rather be than here teaching. There's no place I would rather be than here fellowshipping with you. There's no place I would rather be Sunday, Wednesday. If I had my way, we'd have it every week, every day of the week. It's just so wonderful. But there's so many churches who present a harmless God who demands no surrender from his people. God wants us to surrender totally to him. That way he can use us. He can use us and mold us into the image that he wants to make of us. And that image is Jesus Christ. Joshua kills the kings. They're executed. He makes it quite clear that there'll be absolutely no more accommodation to anybody else in Canaan. He already made the mistake with the Gibeonites. It's not going to happen again. God had showed him this. There's no place for those type of people in our spiritual lives. We cannot ever give room for the enemy, no matter how small. There is no place for an enemy in our lives. And that means the big C word. Compromise. There is no place for the enemy in our lives. However, we compromise so often. We compromise and we allow things in that God says, I don't want that in there. This is the house of the Lord. Why would you bring that into you? I don't want that part of me. All ground that we have. All ground that we walk on, all ground that is ours belongs to our Savior, Jesus Christ. I should take my shoes off because I'm standing on holy ground. I'm standing where Christ stood because Christ is in me. He's in you. Christ is in us and where we are is holy. Why do we try to mix a holy God with an unholy world? Why do we try that so many times? It's an idea of partnership with God in pursuit of victory. God promises victory over all your enemies whom you will fight. Ne'er, he has promised me. Not only has he promised victory, but he says to you, the victory is won. The victory is won. In me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's a past tense statement. It's not, I will overcome the world. I have overcome the world. That's a past tense statement. Move a little more quickly, and I'll try to finish up here. We're going to read from 28 to 40. On that day, Joshua took Matadah and struck it, and its king with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them, all the people who were in it. He let none remain. He also did to the king of Matadah as he did to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua passed from that place and all of Israel with him to Libna, and they fought against Libna. And the Lord also delivered it and his king into the hand of Israel. He struck all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword. He let none remain in it, but he did to the king as he had done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua passed from Libna and all Israel with him to Lachish. And they encamped against it and fought against it. And the Lord delivered Lachish into the hand of Israel. He took it on the second day and struck it with all the people who were in it and the with the edge of the sword according to all that he had done to Libna. Then Horam, king of Gezer, came up to help Lachish. And Joshua struck him and his people until he left none remaining. From Lachish Joshua passed to Eglon and all of Israel with him. And they encamped against it and fought against it. They took it on that day and struck it with the edge of the sword. All the people who were in it, he utterly destroyed that day according to all that he had done to Lachish. So Joshua went up from Eglon and all Israel went with him to Hebron and they fought against it. And they took it and struck it with the edge of the sword, its kings and all its cities and all the people who were in it. He left none remaining according to all that he had done to Eglon but utterly destroyed it and all the people who were in it. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to Debir, and they fought against it. And they took it and its king and all its cities. They struck them with the edge of the sword and utterly destroyed all the people who were in it. He left none remaining, as he had done to Hebron, so he did to Debir and its king, as he had done also to Libna and its king. Wow. Conquest of the south land was now complete. Joshua had completely conquered now the south land, the south part of Canaan. He had done this and worked with this. He had partnered with the Lord. He had followed the Lord. Yes, they made a mistake at Ai. But there were no more mistakes. They were always going to follow the Lord. They were always going to listen to what the Lord had told them. And I love what it says in verse 40 to 43. So Joshua conquered all the land and the mountain country and the south and the lowland and the wilderness slopes and all their kings. He left none remaining but utterly destroyed all that breathed as the Lord God of Israel commanded. And Joshua conquered them. From Kurdish Barnea as far as Gaza and all the country of Goshen, even as far as Gibeon. All these kings and their land Joshua took at one time because the Lord of God of Israel fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel with him to the camp of Gilgal. Period of weeks, perhaps months, everything's defeated. There's not one record of any loss for Israel. Israel suffered no loss, which means... To this day, when they entered the land, the only people they lost were the 36 souls they lost when they failed at Ai. They sought the Lord completely. Each battle was a test. None of them were easy, but under Joshua's leadership, they were all victorious. God's desire that we should enjoy the same victory. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, But we all are being transferred in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Lord is doing a mighty work in each of us. And there's a victory after victory. And we should give Him glory and praise. But each time there's a victory, there might come another battle. And we know that the Lord is saying yesterday, today, and forever. And once he's defeated them, he's defeated your enemies, he moves on. All these kings in the land, Joshua took it one time because it says the Lord fought for them. The Lord is our battle. He is the one who leads us in battle. Nay, he is the one who does the battle for us. When heavenly army comes in like a flood, the battle belongs to the Lord. God will fight our battles even when we fight them. It's the key to victory is allowing the Lord to do that. Allowing the Lord to fight these battles. He fights these spiritual battles. These spiritual things that are going on in spiritual realms we don't even know of. But we can only win as we see the Lord fighting on our behalf. He provides the victory and we walk in it. He provides the victory, and we walk in. And when we come to realize that victory, the victory that was already run at the cross, we need to live in the light of that victory, the victory of the cross. It says in Colossians 2.15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, the cross. It is in this sense that we are more than conquerors to those who loved us by Jesus Christ. To be disappointed in yourself is to have trusted in you. When you're disappointed in what you did, you've been trusting in you too long. It shows that we tried to fight the battle on our own resources. Many of you, many of you have done that, got the scars and the ripped t-shirts to prove it. You've done it before. I love the last verse. This is where we'll end. Joshua and all of Israel return to Gilgal. Israel's victories always came from the place of surrender. They always came from the place of total faith, commitment, and fellowship with God. If you remember correctly, when we studied that, Gilgal was a place of remembrance. They remember the miracle that God did in the Jordan River. It was a place of resurrection where they came out of the river into the new land. It was a place of renunciation where they cast away their flesh to circumcision and dedicated themselves wholly to God. They came back in the fellowship with the Lord when he took away their reproach and had fellowship with them. It was a place of restoration. They tasted the new food of the land, and they were filled, and a place of revelation because they met the commander of the army of the Lord there. The victorious life, Christian, the victorious life that we have has its roots firmly embedded in one place and one place only, the cross of Jesus Christ. That is where the victory was won. That is the place where Christ was crucified. The place where not only Christ was crucified, but we were crucified with Christ at that place. Sin was defeated. Sin was gone. It was taken away. Where he died was a place where we died. When he was resurrected, we've been resurrected into that new life and newness of life. We've renounced our sin, and we've come back into fellowship with God the Father through what he did on the cross, place where we no longer hunger for real food, but we hunger for righteousness. We hunger for the Word of God, which is why you're here today. It's a place where we too realize that Christ now is the captain of our soul, the captain of our
0: peace. The book of Joshua details the Israelites' journey into the land promised them by God and the various adventures they encountered along the way. Through it all, one thing is clear— God keeps his promises and protects his people. Pastor Dave Schenck will continue to teach through this Old Testament book on the next edition of Cape Watch Radio. But in the meantime, we'd like to direct you to our website at capewatchradio.com. Listen to an archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave or download and share them with your friends and family. You can also subscribe to Cape Watch Radio by searching on iTunes. Take biblical teaching with you wherever you go. It's a great way to add spiritual teaching to your already busy life. While we're so blessed to be able to bring you verse-by-verse studies straight from God's Word, we hope this isn't your only source of spiritual nourishment. The Bible impresses upon us the importance of community and the need to find a church family to help you grow in your walk with God. If you haven't found a church home and are in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We meet to worship our Creator and study more deeply the guidance He's given us in the Bible. For our address and directions, please give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Or visit our website at capewatchradio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But be sure to join us again for more on Cape Watch Radio.